Pastor Matt. Um, I just want to, before I get into this message, kind of reinforce a couple of things. As far as our youth conference, we are calling it a youth conference, but we are trusting God that it's going to turn out to be a youth outpouring. We're talking about an outpouring of the Holy Spirit for our, our young people. Um, we're in that season. Our nation is in that season. Amen. It's happening. Listen, it's so, well, it's happening here. No, listen. We understand the character and nature of God. He's no respecter of persons. He'll do here what he's done in other places, wherever he's welcome. The Holy Spirit will manifest himself wherever he's welcome. Do you understand that? It's not like he wants one particular part of the country to experience something or one particular part of the world to experience something and everybody else has gone, well, you guys are not there yet. We determine that. And let me just explain that to you because I don't want you to go, who does he think he is? Oh, I'm basing it on scripture. We determine whether the Holy Spirit is going to be free to move in our midst. You remember in the Gospels, Luke chapter 4, Jesus goes to his hometown of Nazareth, and he goes to the synagogue, and he reads from the scripture, and basically he's giving his job description from the book of Isaiah. Are you listening? And then it says that the people got offended because he said, this scripture has been fulfilled in your midst. In other words, I'm the Messiah. And the Bible says, that the people in Nazareth got offended at him. And then it goes on to say, and there he could do no mighty works except he healed a few people. And if you look at, in the, in the original language, it says he healed a few people with some minor ailments. They had Jesus in front of them. And because they got offended, they did not position themselves in such a way where the anointing of the Holy Spirit would be free to move in their midst, and God only knows who might have been there with stage four cancer, who might have been there with a horrible heart condition, who might have been there with abnormalities, deformities, that the power of God could have healed them, but they didn't position themselves. So when you read that, you come away from it going, wait a second, the people determined how much the Holy Spirit was gonna be able to move, not Jesus. Now, if Jesus couldn't do more than that, and he's the son of God, then how about us? If we don't position ourselves rightly, if we don't position ourselves here, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about positioning ourselves in our hearts. And especially, listen to me, okay? Um, When we come together for worship, don't let anything rob you of that experience. Well, pastor, you don't know what I have in my mind. No, I don't, but the Holy Ghost does. And if we'll be intentional to say, Father, I, I know I got these things weighing on me. I have problems and adversity and challenges, and I'm worried about this and worried about that. If we will take those things and kind of like bowl them up and kind of like just throw them at the feet of Jesus and just say, Lord, I don't care what happens. This moment right now, I'm going to worship you. Amen. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm going to worship you regardless of what's going on on the outside, regardless of what's occupying my mind, regardless of the weight that I might be feeling, I'm going to worship you. And that's why I'm saying what I'm saying is this. When we have that all-campus worship weekend on the 24th, it's 24th and 25th or 
24, 25, 26. Don't let anything stop you from being here that weekend. Because let me tell you something. When we come together and worship like this, especially um, if you're a newcomer to our church, when, what, what, what the track record has been in the past, when we come together and we unite our hearts to worship God, it's no telling what the Holy Spirit's going to do. And let me tell you something. I learned this a long time ago. One second in the presence of the Holy Spirit like that can take care of things and break stuff off your life that you've been trying to get free for years. I would advise you to make sure that you make plans to be here either Friday night, Saturday night is two services, Sunday morning are two services, because we're going to just dedicate that time to just worshiping God. And whatever the Lord puts on our hearts, however he directs us, that's the direction we're going to go. That's what we're going to follow. And in that atmosphere, miraculous things happen. Amen? Amen. Praise God. All right, listen. I, I said this last weekend. I don't, I, I'm just asking for this, for this reason to see how much review I have to do. How many of you uh, were not here last weekend? Let me just see your hands. Okay, we're not taking your picture. We're not going to put it up on a board. How many of you were not here? Let me see your hands, please, so I know how much time to spend on this. Oh, so, so the majority of you were here last weekend. Okay, so I've been carrying this message in my heart since at least November. And let me just tell you a little bit of, of the background of why. I've been born again now here. I've been uh, walking with the Lord for 38 years, okay? I know, I look really young, I know. <laughs> I say you must have been an infant, yeah. <laughs> and, in, and in those 38 years, my wife and I have been through some things, okay? We know what it's like, like Paul says, I know what it's like to abound, I know what it's like to be abased. Of course, abounding is a whole lot better. Uh, okay, but we've been through things. We've been through things emotionally, relationally, fi especially financially, especially financially. And uh, I have found, my experience has been that if it were not for the times that I spent just me and him, I don't know that I would have come through some of the things we came through. I don't know that I would have been able to survive, uh, in some cases thrive, in the midst of extreme adversity, extreme uh, attack. And uh, to be totally transparent, I don't think I would have survived some of the stupid decisions and bad decisions that I made that put my family uh, in, 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 in harm's way. I'm talking about financially, okay? I don't think we would have survived that. I know I wouldn't have come out of it in the same, in, you know, in, in an intact mental state. There is something about the secret place. There is something about setting time aside where it's just you and God. And for some of us that are used to being extremely busy, and, and I think that covers just about probably everybody in this room, we're either busy, really physically busy, or busy here. How many of you have a hard time shutting down at night when it's time to go to bed? I thought it was just me. Okay, you're just, you know, especially if I have some kind of project going on, or there's something new that we're stepping into in the ministry or something, it's just like, and it's just like, so, so we're, we're busy. And unfortunately, when we're busy, we have the tendency to be busy outside of the presence of God. If we could just take that energy and take that time and take that 
devotion to wanting to spend that kind of time and just put that in the realm of spending time with the Lord. I think many of us, in fact, not, not think, I know, and I believe beyond the shadow of a doubt because we see precedents all throughout the word of God, the people that went on to do great things with God were people who spent time with God. Amen. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but think about David, yes. King David, okay? King David wouldn't have become King David if he hadn't spent time with God while he was watching his father's sheep. That's where we get most of our psalms. Most of our psalms are David pouring his heart out to God, probably in the middle of the night in a field someplace where the only light he had was sun, uh, stars, the moonlight, and just him and God. We, we benefit today from the psalms because David made it a habit to spend time with God. Early in the morning will I rise up and seek you. You, you listening? I feel like the Holy Spirit wants us to get that heart in this season that we're in, okay? And, and I keep saying this season that we're in because we've stepped into a season. The body of Christ has stepped into a season. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ on this planet has stepped into a season. Now, whether you step into it is up to you. You hearing this? Because there's been other moves of God throughout history, and not everybody benefited from it, and not everyone participated in it. As for me and my house, as for me and this church, as much as I, as much as I can exert um, influence upon, we're, gonna, we're going forward with this move of God. Amen. I'm, we're not going to be spectators. We're going to be participants. It, but listen to me. If you have that heart and you want to see that and you want to be in it, you want God to be able to use you no matter where you go, no matter where you are, no matter who you're with, that he would use you to influence other people and impact their lives, you're going to have to spend time in that secret place. Now, since the beginning of the year, we've been spending a lot of time talking about repentance talking about separation from sin? Because you realize Christians can still sin, right? Yeah. <gasps> yeah. God bless you. You realize we still have the capacity to sin, right? Yeah, a few people do. Okay. And so we, above all people in the earth, need to be sure that we're separating ourselves as much as we possibly can, all right, from sin. Not, that, not so we can get brownie points from God. If you're born again, he's already received you. You're already a child of God. Amen. You already have, have attained and received salvation. Okay? It's not about doing it for that reason. It's about doing it for this reason. I want to separate myself more and more from sin because I want to have more influence in somebody else's life. Amen. I want to be used of God more to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, to break chains off of people's lives. What, for Joe's glory? No, for his glory. That this community and this region that we live in would say, truly, Jesus is the Son of God. Truly, the power of God is real. 
Okay, I don't know if you're in this to play games. I'm not in this to play games. Are you listening to me? But I have come to this conclusion. Hear my heart, please. That the amount of anointing that we can walk in and the amount of power of God that we can make available to somebody else is going to be directly connected to the amount of time that we're spending with him. You listening? Last week we talked about the fact that to live this and to do this, what we're talking about, requires a force bigger than ourselves, a force outside of ourselves. You and I can't stir and can't make things happen. We can make it appear like something has happened, but you and I cannot just, well, I'm just going to rev myself up and like we're a generator and so that when I lay hands on people, things are going to happen. No, honey, you can't do that. It's the anointing. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit upon our lives that gets things done. Well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get 20 people saved today. Okay, um, you're not going to be able to do that on your own. You're going to need to be led by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, well, I'm going to tell people, I'm going to dazzle people. Pastor, you don't know what kind of testimony I have. I'm sure you've got a wonderful testimony. But a testimony can only inspire somebody if you don't give them the word, if you don't present the gospel, there's nothing to inspire them to act on. And we love to tell our stories, and that's wonderful. But we need to plant the seeds of God's word in people's hearts. And in order to do that, we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be very much evident in our lives. Amen. And there's a principle in the New Testament. Paul talking to Timothy says to him, whatever you give yourself wholly, entirely over to becomes apparent to all. Thank you for that one amen, Sister Lorna. I'll say it again. There is a definite principle in the Word of God that whatever we give ourselves entirely over to becomes apparent unto all. Let me ask you this question. If, uh, and uh, I don't know if I'm talking to somebody in this room today, uh, you may have somebody in your life that's maybe an alcoholic. Do you need for them to actually tell you when they're on a binge? What happens? You see it. You, you, get, you feel it in your gut. All they got to do is open their mouth and you know, okay, they're binging again, okay? What happened? Whatever that person gave, them entire, gave themselves entirely over to has become what? Apparent to all. Yes or no? Yes. So when we're spending time with God and we give our hearts entirely over unto him, that same principle takes effect. It becomes apparent unto all. Are you getting this? Okay. So last week we talked about this power that Jesus said we should receive. And I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it because I spent a lot of time on it last week. In Acts chapter 8, uh, excuse me, chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus made a promise to the disciples. He said, but you shall receive power. And that word is dunamis, where we get the word dynamite from. He said, you shall receive power when? When the Holy Spirit has come up on you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. What's he saying? You can't really witness to somebody. You can't really bring somebody to Christ outside of the power of the Holy Spirit working within you and working through you to affect other people's lives. Trust me, I know, because I tried to get people to see the point of who Jesus is outside of just depending on the Holy Spirit 
and you make enemies. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You try to bang somebody over your head with your Bible because you're trying to prove a point. You're not doing it because you really care for that person, don't want to see them go to hell. You're doing it because you want to act like, look at me, look at me, I'm a big shot now, I'm saved, I'm born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. I want trophies, trophies, trophies. Well, I got six people saved this week. Well, where are they? Well, pastor, I got to witness this. So, yeah, where are they? Jesus said we would have fruit that remains. And sometimes what we do is impress people. I had this habit of just telling people always about the miracles. And they were genuine because I asked my wife, when I first got born again, for, I mean, it's always been that way. I mean, genuine miracles were taking place all the time. But I put so much emphasis on the miracles, and I hardly put any emphasis on the relationship with God. What was I doing? I didn't realize what I was doing. I was trying to impress people like, hey, I must be special. God's given me all these miracles. Let's make sure that our heart is to see people restored to God, not just impressed. Amen? Amen? Amen. I'm, I'm sure nobody in here has ever done that. I just felt like I needed to. So Jesus said we needed this explosive power in order to be followers, to be disciples, to be ministers. However, we also acknowledge that together with this gift, not and or, but together with this gift, together with the gift, we, we, everyone needs to experience the Acts 1-8 baptism in the Holy Spirit, okay? I'm just telling you what Jesus said. Well, pastor, I came from a church where they taught us that it wasn't for today. Okay, well, I'm sorry that they taught you that, but the scriptures teach contrary to that. Because when Peter got up to preach on the day of Pentecost, I was just talking about this in a meeting that we had the other day with our, our pastors and, and leaders. When, when Peter presented the gospel in Acts chapter 2 towards the end of the chapter, he said to them, repent and be baptized you know, for the forgiveness of sins, and you shall receive this promise of the Holy Ghost, which is for you. He's talking to the crowd that's there. Look, look at me. He's talking to the crowd that is right present, right there on the day of Pentecost in the temple compound. Okay? He said, this promise is for you and for your children and for your children's children and all who are far off, as many as the Lord shall call. Let me ask you this question. Has the Lord stopped calling people? No. Has the Lord stopped calling people? No. Is he still bringing people into relationship with himself? Then that promise is still available today. And we need that power. But watch this now. Together with that power, the power of the Holy Ghost, we also need the power that comes from the secret place, the abiding, the dwelling. Now, Paul said in two different places that I know of in the New Testament, both in the letters that he wrote to the church at Corinth, don't you know that you're the temples of the Holy Ghost? How many temples do we have in here? Because if you're born again, you're a temple of the Holy Ghost. He lives in you. Okay? He lives in you. So we know he's in there. But are you spending time with him? Or is he that house guest that you put in the basement? Gave him a TV. Put a cold sandwich at the foot of the steps. Saying, glad you're here, but you're not spending any time with. 
I can't answer that question for you. Only you can answer that question. He's in there, but are you spending time with him? Think of it this way. If Jesus physically came to live in your house, would you even sleep at night? I'd be like at the kitchen table. Now, now Jesus, tell me about, and, and tell me about when this happened. Anybody know what to, can you picture it? Can you picture it? Morning, noon, and night. He'd have to say, uh, Joe, come on, it's getting late. No, there's just a couple more minutes, Jesus. A couple more minutes, Jesus. Yes or no? Yes. Well, who's the Holy Spirit? It's the Spirit of the living God. And he lives in us. And most of the time, we barely go, hey, how you doing this morning? Did you get your coffee yet? So, Jesus talked about John 15. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me, come on, you can do nothing. Nothing of eternal value. We could do a whole bunch of things because we're all busy doing some. I'm busy, I'm busy. I got a lot of things on my plate. But what he's saying is, if you don't abide in me, you're not going to do anything of eternal value. And truthfully, all of this stuff is going to disappear one day. Only that which we did for him, inspired by him, empowered by him, are the things that are going to remain for all of eternity. And I don't know about you, but when I get there, I want him to point to a multitude, a multitude and multitude and say, they're here because you obeyed my voice. There's power in abiding. Because that abiding place is a place of cleansing and a place of restoration. That abiding, that secret place is where intimacy is. And where there's intimacy, there's safety and there's security. The power to overcome in this life is not found in the. It might start there, but the sustaining, the maintaining, the long, being in it for the long haul power comes from the abiding. Every day, spending time. Pastor, I don't have that much time. Start out with whatever you have. You'd be surprised how God will help you change your schedule and you won't even realize it sometimes because as a desire begins to build on the inside of you you spend more time you'll be surprised of what god takes care of and you don't have to get involved in it anymore so that you have even more time anybody know what i'm talking about am i standing up here talking to myself psalm 27 verse 4 one thing i ask from the lord this only do i seek that i may dwell in the house of the lord all the days of my life Look at the next verse. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Where's the temple now? For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his secret tent. There's something about tents. There's something about, I don't think it's by coincidence that God, when he brought the people of his people free, he freed them from Egypt, the first thing he told them to do was to build a tent. A portable worship place. 
And he gave them exact details how to build it, what materials to use. Why? He wanted a special, intimate place where he could meet with his people. Now, you and I need to build that place. You and I need to, need to search out a time, a place, and establish it as holy. I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's what this whole message is about. I'll just throw it at you right now before we go any further. Do you have, don't lift your hand, don't grunt, don't answer, don't burp, don't do, <laughs> just think about this. Do you have a secret place established with the Lord? Think about it. Psalm 91, now we're getting into the message. Listen to these words. They're so important and so impacting because everything else in Psalm 91 is dependent on these first two verses. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Now that word Most High there, you'll see is capitalized. It's because it's a title of God in Hebrew. He who dwells in the secret place of El Elyon the most high God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, I believe verse 2 is a result of verse 1. Because when you're spending time in the secret place and you're getting to know God in that secret place, and you're getting to know God in a very intimate way, you start talking about him differently. He's not the man upstairs anymore. He's not the big guy I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. Come on, say the rest of it with me. My God in him I will trust. The secret place, the place of power, the place of safety. Only you and God can be in that place. There's no crowds there. Don't mix up corporate worship with the secret place. Don't mix it. I mean, it's wonderful to have corporate worship. I cannot wait till we have, what is it, a couple weeks from now? I cannot wait till we all come together that weekend, people from all of our campuses. And don't be lazy. If you're here from the other campuses, Pastor Rick, make sure you tell the people tomorrow in Wall. Tell them, don't be lazy. Spend a couple of bucks on the gas and get up to brick. It's only 15 minutes. Get here. But we're talking about a solitary place. Let me share something with you. Many of you know, my wife and I raised four boys, four sons, all very close in age. Actually, we have five. One's waiting for us in heaven. Each one of those children are exactly 18 months apart. Hallelujah. <laughs> God bless my wife. Three, listen, listen, ladies, you'll know, and, and guys too. Three of them in diapers at the same time. Just of every fragrance in our household. <laughs> she'd call me up on the way home. We had the restaurant at that time. When I'd close up the restaurant and go home, she'd call me up and go, now go to the store and pick up a, a blue one, a pink one. Instead of telling me sizes, what was it? 
red, pink, and something else, just, just the colors. Don't, don't ever think about trying to figure out the sizes. Just get the color. It's one box of this color, one box of this color. And even back then, we're talking a lot of years ago, they were still very expensive. Three of them in diapers at the same time. But it was, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It was a wonderful time to see them all growing up together. But there's one thing that we used to do all the time, and I started it with my first son, and he was just like three. Okay, that was about the time when I got born again. My oldest was only three years old. And we lived right back in this neighborhood back here. And we had taken the garage in the house and turned it into a family room. So it was a sizable room. I'd go in there, and I would build a tent out of sheets. Most of the time, she's like, where's the sheets? You took them off the bed. Well, they're in the family room. <laughs> and I would set up this tent, and just the two of us would be in there. And I would play worship music with him. And he loved to, to just dance up around and dance. It was a place just for the two of us. Are you picturing this? Yeah. Anybody else done that crazy stuff when you were raising your kids? Okay. So, 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 mommy, mommy, no, you can't come in here. This is for daddy and me. When the, his brothers came along, then we, by that point in time, we weren't living in this neighborhood anymore. At that point in time, we had moved to Seaside Park. Hallelujah. <laughs> Block away from the beach. One house from the bay. Amen. Awesome place to raise your kids. If any of you are familiar with Seaside Park, you know the little playground that's on the beach on the bayside? We literally lived around the corner from there. So I would take the kids, put them in the car, give my wife a break, and we would drive over to Island Beach State Park. Anybody familiar with that? And we would get in the place where there's sand dunes pretty close together, and we would build a tent among the sand dunes. And it was only for us. You couldn't come with us. No outsiders, because we're on assignment in that tent. This is where we ate our peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. This is where we talked about stories and I would love to make and I used to make up stories and include them in the stories and then I realized that they're now sharing those stories with their kids but the, you, you see what I'm talking about you feel it here it, it was our secret place that was where we talked about the what do you want to be when you grow up conversations okay those times you can't put a price on that now, in the midst of, midst of all the turmoil that was going on with us, that was when we were going into bankruptcy. That we was losing everything. But I would not let that ever interfere with those times. Because there's things that took place in that tent that I'm sure have stuck with them, even if they don't realize it to this day. But outsiders are forbidden. If somebody would walk down the beach, it's not, hey, come over and hang out with us. We've got an extra PB&J sandwich. No, no, no. This is a priority here. And you and I have to make sure that we fight to keep the sacredness of that secret place. You don't let others intrude on it. Why? Well, pastor, doesn't it... Wouldn't I want to share that? No, 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 because what you get in that secret place, listen to me, is equipping you to deal with other people. 
And the people around you, if they're smart, will make it easy for you to spend time in your secret place because you're a lot nicer when you come out, when you come out of the secret place because all the things you want to go for their juggler vein with, you deal with and settle where? In the secret place. All the struggles that make you want to, that would normally just wake up in the morning and go right into life and boom, and then you wonder why you want to kill everybody around you, it's because you didn't spend time in the secret place. Because in a secret place, Abba, Daddy, can deal with you. In the secret place is where it's okay to vent. In the secret place, well, I don't like to talk negative. Honey, in the secret place is where you get to God, Lord, Father, this is what I'm dealing with. Lord, here's my hurts. Here's my disappointments. Here's my hopes. It's a safe place. If it wasn't, like I mentioned before, you and I would not have most of the Psalms because most of the Psalms is David just venting. Venting. Many are they that have surrounded me. Many are they will say of my soul, there's no hope for him in God. What was he doing? He's pouring his heart out to God. You do that, God bless you. You do that in the secret place. You don't do that here. You do that in the secret place. Not because we don't have compassion for each other, but the average person, while you're pouring your around, they're going, I got enough problems of my own. <laughs> I'm looking for somebody to help me. And this person wants me to help them. Now, in the power of the Holy Ghost, yes, even the scriptures teach us. In Proverbs, the multitude of counsel, there's safety. But it's in the secret place that there's an exchange that takes place. It's in the secret place where you're able to like, blah, here it is, God. <laughs> here it is, God. And him give you correction if you need correction. And him give you direction if you need direction. But dear Lord, don't make the mistake that I made. I didn't realize this in the beginning of my Christian walk with the Lord. And so when you don't have a secret place, do you know what you do? You stuff everything. And you can only stuff so much. Sooner or later, guess what's going to happen? One more thing gets stuffed, and what happens? Blah. The secret place. When we dwell in that secret place, we abide under a shadow, we begin to talk differently. Why? I can talk, I can deal differently with everyone in my sphere of influence. I could speak differently, not only about God, but everybody around me, my wife, my family, my grandchildren, my, this ministry. When I've allowed my heart to get healed and equipped and empowered in the secret place. I'll guarantee you, if you sit down with my wife, she could tell you she'll know when I've spent time in the secret place and when I'm not. And I've learned that there's a price to pay for that. I mean, I'm really getting ahead of myself, but I feel like it's got to come out tonight. 
there's a price to pay. There were times, because of the living quarters that we had, just our living situation, I had a little chair in the corner of our dining room, and that was it. And I would have to get up in the middle of the night. I think that's where I started that habit of getting up in the middle of the night. By the way, if you ever get emails or Facebook thing in the middle of the night, you go, hey, he's up again. <laughs> and I would just get in the corner, everybody else is sleeping, and just get, bury my face in that dining room chair. And it didn't even have a padding on it, it was just wood. And just get, and that was my secret place. Sometimes it would just be, but it always seems like it's at nighttime because there's nobody else around. Yeah. Just spend time in the secret place. When it's quiet. Then I remember a season of my life that my secret place was in the driver's seat of an old broke down work van. And at that particular season of life, I was back working with my family again, my family in construction. And they were working on a job all the way up in, I think Rockaway, is it Rockaway, New Jersey? Rockaway Township, am I right? We were building one of the um, phone towers up there. An hour and a half to hour and 45 minute, because we lived in Seaside Park at that time. But can I tell you, the times of fellowship between just me and God, I'll go to show you how old this van was. It had a cassette player in it. <laughs> and I would have my five, six, seven, eight favorite, uh, no, no A-track. <laughs> I, I did a little bit better than an A-track. And I would take my favorite worship music with me. And that hour and 45 minutes, hour and a half drive seemed like 20 minutes. And I would just pray in the spirit and God would show me things. Because in the seek, listen, in the secret place, he gets to share secrets with you. And the gifts of the spirit will start to operate. I remember one particular time, some of you might remember me telling this story. I'm driving. I don't remember if it was winter or summer. I don't remember what it was. And all of a sudden, as I'm driving, now I'm driving. I, I've got my, I mean, I'm attentive to the road. But all of a sudden, on the inside, now I didn't lose my sight, but on the inside, I had a vision. And the Lord had showed me the bedroom of a person that I knew and showed me the door opening up on the armoire and a stack of porno magazines about this high. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? I got home. Of course, I prayed about it. I got home. I called. Now, I had the kind of relationship that I could do this. You don't do this with just anybody. I called the person up, and I said, I don't want to talk. I'm just going to tell you what the Lord showed me. Go in your bedroom. Go to your armoire. Open up the left door and get rid of all those porno magazines. Oh, oh okay. Click. <laughs> now, listen, I'm not sharing that. Go, oh, wow, Pastor Joe. No. It's in the secret place. Listen to me. The, know something about God if you haven't found out already. 
when he knows he's got your heart and he knows that your heart is for people, in the secret place, he'll show you things that you can pray about. He'll show you things that, like I told you, stuff like that. You listen to me? He'll show you things in your life that you wouldn't want him to talk about in front of other people. Why? Because in the secret place, that's the atmosphere to do it. Are you listening to me? And everybody should say, thank God. But listen, if you're living your life without that secret place. Well, Pastor, I come to church. I come to church every weekend. I'm here on Wednesday nights. That's wonderful. That's awesome. Don't stop doing that. But up your game. Because it's not about filling a seat. I'm glad that you're here. For those of you that are newcomers, we're so glad that you're here. But dear God, if you only do this and not have the secret place... You become proficient in religion, but you will forfeit the relationship. Is this touching? Is this, are you seeing it? The real relationship that you and I have with our Father in heaven is determined in the secret place, not on the outside. You know, there's people, I know nobody in here is like this, there's people that can recite scriptures from memory, tell you exactly where it is, what page it is on their Bible, what color ink it's in, but they don't have a relationship in the secret place. Now, watch this now. Your proficiency in the word is wonderful, but character is established in the secret place. Because that's where you feel safe. That's when you can say, Lord, search my heart. You can't ask people that. Nobody's going to tell you, well, to tell you the truth, you're a jerk. <laughs> They're all going to say, oh, no, no, don't be hard on yourself. No, you're better than that. No, shut up. <laughs> but in the secret place, you listening? Our character, our heart, is in the secret place. That's where we get to know him. That's where we get to hear his voice. Man, did I go off my notes tonight. I'll be better tomorrow. But hear me out, though. Is this such an important principle? I go back to a couple of different examples. Now, I've seen it in my own life. Last week, I, I shared with, with those of you that were here how I began to practice the presence of the Lord when I had my restaurant. And I can't, I, I wish I could, no, I don't want all the aggravation of being in a restaurant, but I would love to go back to that time just for that. In that space, knowing now how God was gonna rescue me, knowing now what God was gonna, you know, what he was gonna do in our lives after that, tribulation period of, of not only killing yourself day and night, working seven days a week, and still not make any money, and have nothing to show for it. <laughs> we were moving one time, and we found this, uh, you know the spaghetti scoopers, you know, with the little teeth, you know, spaghetti scooper, and it had the name of our restaurant on it. I was like, look at this, all those years, all those hours, 
Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, the memorial to our tribulation period. Where was I going with that? The what? Yeah, 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 but I was going for that for something else. What was I going with that? That quiet time. Those were precious times. Those were the seeds were deposited in my heart. And I used to think, no. No, not me. Pastor of church? And so I would, nah. Let's change the subject, Jesus. <laughs> it's in those secret places that he really deals with you. And you really, listen, I've said this for years. You can know the Bible from front cover to back cover, but if you don't know you, you'll walk around in deception your whole life. And the place where you really find, you know where you really find out where, who you are? In the presence of the Almighty One. Because he'll show you. And he loves us enough to show us. Yes, you're my child. I love you. But, everybody say, but. You need to work on this area. Now, it's because he's already proven how much he loves us that when he says, you've got to work in this area, we don't get offended. We don't get offended. Why? Because we know it's coming from the motive of pure love. But watch us now. But if you're not spending time in the secret place, you're walking around fooled. You're walking around without being aware of who you really are. And you're walking around unaware of what needs to be worked on what needs to still be submitted to him to say, here, Lord, I don't really, I don't want to act this way. I don't want to think this way. I don't want to talk this way. I don't want to inflict damage on the ones around me. But Lord, you've got to heal this. Lord, I don't even know where the root is. Am I talking to myself here tonight? Lord, I don't know where the root is. Only you do. And you said that you'll pluck up whatever's not planted of you. So, Lord, you know what it is. I'll be faithful to show up, but you're the one that's going to have to do surgery. You can't get that in any other relationship. Because in any other human relationship, you're dealing with another flawed human being. When you're spending time in the secret place, you're spending time with the perfect one. Amen. The only one who can point to that thing and go, we got to work on this. It's time now. Beside all that, let me read very quickly through this, and then we'll have to kind of like, for tonight, and we'll pick up next week. Those first two verses... He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him I will trust. Watch this now. Are followed by six promises. Verse 3. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. Now that means 
a, a person who used to trap birds with little primitive little snares, okay? And from the perilous pestilence, verse 4, he shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield, big, and buckler, little shield. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. All those promises are dependent on verse 1 and verse 2. Now, verse 9 is another condition, just like verse 1. Would you say that first word nice and loud? Because. Say it again. Because. Because. Which states a condition, right? Because you have made the Lord, who's my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. So we have another, another condition there, and followed by four more verses of promises, or four more promises. Because you made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young, young lion and serpent you shall trample underfoot. They're conditional based on verse 9 and verse 1 and 2. Are you in the secret place? Are you abiding under the shadow of the Almighty? In other words, he's saying, oh, well, I can do all this for you if you're going to stay close to me. Very quick illustration, go on. I'm a history buff. Have loved to study history from the time I could remember. During medieval times, you can go look in Europe now, you can see pictures, castles. How many people have at least seen a picture of a castle? Okay, why does a castle exist? Because you have enemies. Now, everybody can't live in the castle all the time. So the people lived in the fields surrounding the castle, and what they produced supplied the needs for the lord of the castle. But when an enemy was coming, you better get yourself in that castle real quick. Because in that castle, there's refuge. Not outside the walls, in the castle. It's the same idea here. Yeah, he's saying, yeah, I can cover you but you got to stay close to me. Amen. I can cover you, but you got to make sure where I am, you are. Now, if you get a picture of the disciples, and there's a reason why it's always Jesus, Peter, James, John, right? Then the, the rest of them, the other nine. Then you got 70, then you got 500. But I'll guarantee you this, when Jesus was walking and he'd stop short, John bumped into him. He's staying close to him. Peter and James bumped into John. Who got to see just about everything that Jesus did? John, James, Peter. Mount of Transfiguration, who's there? Those guys. 
who got to walk on water? You listening to me? Stay close. I'm going to close here. We'll read the rest of this next week. Do you have a secret place? If you don't, please, especially in the times we are in the last days. And in these last days, the warfare from the enemy has gone up to a scale that I don't know that we've ever seen before. People that we've known in the past, I'm sure people that you've known in the past that were very stable individuals, losing their minds. An onslaught of sickness and diseases has attacked this planet that hasn't been seen since like the days of the Black Death back in the Middle Ages. The economy of the world, I'll say it again, the economy of the world, not the economy of the kingdom, the economy of the world is hanging by a thread. It is in our interest to stay very close to the Most High. It's in our interest to dwell in this secret place. It's in our interest to gather up under those wings so that only with our eyes, even a thousand can fall at our side, 10,000 on our right hand, but only with our eyes shall we see the reward of the wicked. You listening to me? Listen, that's not a scare tactic. That's reality. We can't play games anymore. We're either going to be serious about this thing called Christianity and serious about our salvation and serious about our relationship with the Lord because we have an enemy that wants to devour. At this point, doesn't care whether you go to heaven or not. But if he can devour you and take you out of the way so that you do not influence another person to come into the kingdom... He will do that if you let him. This isn't a spooky, spiritually out there thing. It's practical. Start developing a time. So if you're not a, if you're not a person that gets up in the middle of the night and you have any quality time like that, fine. Then find some time, someplace, somehow. And it's probably a better idea to do it at the beginning of the day because his mercies are new every morning than to wait till the end of the day when your head got all filled with everything else. (laughs) Even if it's five minutes to start with. And watch him expand that. Because with God, everything is always increasing. Watch him expand that. Everything you ever put in his hands, he always increases. You listening to me? Everything you put in God's hands always increases. So start with five minutes. Start someplace. But be consistent. And be faithful. And don't let anything crowd in there. I, I, it happens all I'll be, I'll be in my office at home in the middle of the night, and I'm reading the word, and I'm praying, and all of a sudden, a thought will come. Oh, you forgot to tell so-and-so about this thing. Or you forgot to, oh, yeah, I better send an email out. Oh, yeah, I better write a note for myself. And then I'll go, wait a minute, I'm not falling for that. Shut down. No, I'm spending time here. Again, if Jesus was sitting across the table, would you go, I just remembered something. I'll be right back. 
Nothing else would matter. And that's how we have to live. Nothing else matters. Set your course. Don't let your day determine you. You determine the day. Get up five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes early. On your drive to work. In the shower. You're guaranteed to be by yourself. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? As you begin to make the effort, you'll see how the Holy Ghost will give you ideas. What about this time? What about this place? What about during that time? The Spirit of God revealed to us already in the New Testament the principle, if you draw close to me, I will draw close to you. But we have to be the initiator. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand up? I pray this has been a blessing to you tonight. Say this with me, the secret place, the secret place. is the most important place, most important place. In, my life. in my life. Now, let me just pray for you, and then we'll be dismissed. But before I say that, if you need prayer for anything, please, after we're dismissed, just come up to the front. There's people up here that are trained to pray for you and to pray with you. And don't go home and take any burden with you that you might have brought here tonight. Amen? Amen. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for every single one of us that are here right now. Lord, I pray, God, that something that I shared tonight, scripture, story, a prayer, anything, Father, will have impacted our hearts, God. And Lord, I pray that it's a seed that has gone in and that you now, Holy Spirit, will, will cause it to grow and expand. Lord, help each one of us individually, very personally, develop this lifestyle. Father, not because it's mine, but because you reveal yourself in your word. In Psalm 91, Father, we want to fulfill those qualifications because we need, Lord, oh God, we need those promises active in our lives right now. There's so much that the enemy has brought against mankind. We need those promises active in our lives, Father. So Lord, I thank you that as we enter into that secret place, whether it's something we do all the time or, Father, for those that are going to enter into that place for the very first time in their lives, Father, I pray, God, that we sense your presence and we sense your embrace and we sense that you're pleased and that you would speak to us in that place, that you would bring comfort to our wounds. That you would embrace those that are lonely. That you would encourage those that are depressed. That we would come out of that secret place, Father God. Just like you said in your word, we're righteous or bold as lions. And it's in that presence, Father, that intimacy that we pick up boldness. Because we get to know you better. And I pray that every one of us would experience this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And listen, two things. Number one, if you're here tonight and you never, ever prayed a simple prayer to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, we're not dismissed yet. 
I don't want any distractions during this time. Because we could be determining someone's eternal destination right now. And if you're here tonight and you never prayed a very simple prayer to ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, declaring your faith in him, then please don't walk through those doors unless you take care of that first. Just come up here and say, I want to receive Jesus. Amen? Amen. Second thing. Please, if you need prayer for anything, it's not just something we throw on the end of the service. We believe that prayer administered scripturally accurately changes people's lives. Amen. Not a little positive thought, a little hope so. But we're already told that the prayer of faith will heal the sick, and if they've committed any sin, will bring forgiveness. There are scripturally accurate prayers that change our lives. And our people are trained to pray scripturally accurate prayers over your life. Don't, not, don't go home and take a burden with you when you have the opportunity to leave it in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you for being here tonight.